TII item 334, January 18th, 2015, iOS 8.2 beta 4. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today on iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jade for sending in the music here in the background. Jade wrote, Hi, Rob. As always, love the show. I've been a fan for quite a few years and never miss an episode. For the past two years, I've been working on my fourth studio album as I'm doing something quite massive and unique. I've been recording the whole album using iOS devices only. So far, the album is 14 tracks long and a very unique blend of ballads, rock, metal, punk, electro, and jazz. I've included a demo song from the CD titled Smashing Your Face In. The apps used were GarageBand, Audiobus, Aria, Music Studio, Studio Mini XL, Amplitude, iShred Live, Final Touch, Vocal Live, and Session Band. Regards, Jade Star. Well, thanks, Jade, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode and links to those apps in the show notes, of course. Also, I want to thank Shannon for sending in the artwork for today's show. Shannon wrote, Rob, I took a picture of my pit bull, Sarah front of a local fountain and then added the text using the new Fotar app that I downloaded after listening to your latest episode regards Shannon in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Well, Shannon, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Shannon's artwork in the free TII app via the bonus button for episode 334, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on an iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, Amazon's pricing ambition is the clearest indication of its iPhone playbook, undercut rivals and grab meaningful market share. It also shows that Apple's worst nightmare may be coming true. Prices could fall not just for cheap phones in developing markets, but higher-end ones, too. Unquote. Amir Afradi and Jessica E. Lesson from jessicalesson.com, 6th of September 2013. That old refrain that prices could fall is something we hear over and over again. I don't think any of these people realize that Apple is the only one making money. 85% of the profits for the entire cell phone industry, to be precise. Cheap is not what is wanted by all. There's still a good percentage of the market willing to pay to get quality. Hence why the Amazon Fire crashed and, well, burned, pun intended, and the iPhone is doing better than ever. Just saying. This week we have promo codes for the app Lido. Here is the review from the dev. Hi, my name is Kelvin Londis, and I am the developer of Lidl. Lidl is a task manager app for the iPhone that came from a problem with the current task manager apps that I was using. None of them has a way to attach images or audio per project. If I wanted to view an image that I attached to another task, 
I had to go to that task, if I remember the name of the task. With little, you can set due date, reminders, repeated tasks, plus attach images or record audio, and assign it to a project or to the inbox, so you can easily view it in the current task. Also, you can time track and a task and make notes. If you want to know more about Little, go to little.com. L-I-T-O-D-O.com. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Lido, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Lido, L-I-T-O-D-O, in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured on the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Well, the good news is I'm starting to get a little bit more proficient with the new GarageBand, so hopefully these episodes will not be as delayed as they've been the last couple times going forward. Little learning curve, getting through it. Into the news we shall go. Tim Cook has made no bones about the fact that your privacy as a customer trumps all, and that Apple has never worked with any government agencies from any government to put in any backdoor in any of Apple's products and they have never allowed access to Apple servers and never will. Users that know of this position appreciate this position. Governments, not so much, especially if you happen to be the leader of the British government. Apparently, Prime Minister Cameron wants to ban services that encrypt messages like iMessage or FaceTime, which offer end-to-end encryption. See, Big Brother thinks privacy is bad. Essentially, the logic is this. We must not allow freedom if we are to preserve freedom. What is this? President Ferris Fremont going after Aramchak? Because it sure sounds that way. Bonus points for those that got that reference. Now, it's not just the UK government that wants to get rid of this privacy. There are other governments in Europe, the NSA, of course, and other agencies in the US government that are not happy with Apple's level of privacy for users. And I should point out, It's not just Apple's apps. Snapchat is in their crosshairs as well. Let's just hope that Valis, I mean Apple, can hold out against those that want to ensure freedom by squashing it. To the email bag. Hi Rob, I bought a T-Mobile unlocked iPhone 6 Plus 128 gig right before Apple started offering the Apple unlocked phones. Is there any difference at all except for the fact that T-Mobile one comes with a SIM card? They should both be equally unlocked, right? I can't get a straight answer from Apple, and I wonder if I should bother trading it in for the Apple one before my 14-day return window is over. Thanks, Terry. Hi, Terry. Both are fully unlocked, but there are some differences between the T-Mobile version and the SIM-free version. The T-Mobile 6 and 6 Plus feature bands that are more specific to North America and should work with most 4G LTE networks in the U.S. It will not, repeat not, work on China's advanced TD-LTE network. If China travel is in your plans, exchange it now. Really, if you plan to travel outside the U.S., then the SIM-free one is what you want. If you are only going to be in the U.S., stick with the T-Mobile version that you already purchased. Okay, that's a simple answer, but let's say you really like 
local U.S. carriers, regional carriers, and that you need to know which one of these T-Mobile version supports. And well, here's what they are. The T-Mobile version, of course, supports T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon, plus AIO, Alaska Communication, Consumer Cellular, Cricket, Family Mobile, GCI, Net10, Straight Talk, Union Wireless. The SIM-free iPhone 6 and 6 Plus supports the following carriers, AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, Sprint, and Appalachian Wireless, Bluegrass Cellular, Boost, Seaspire, Cellcom, Charlton Valley, Chat Mobility, Defense Mobile, Mobile Nation, Next Tech, Northwest Cell, Antelos, Pioneer Cellular, Status Networks, Syringa, Thumb Cellular, United Wireless, and US Cellular. Again, there are more bands and radio frequencies available for the SIM-free version versus the T-Mobile version. They are different phones. So if you have some globetrotting in your future, get the SIM-free version. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I thought you were a big fan of Sprint Wireless, especially since their headquarters were so close to your house. I was surprised when I heard you were now on T-Mobile. I have an iPhone 6 on AT&T, grandfathered in on unlimited data, but throttled that to 5 gigs of data. I watch a lot of Netflix, and I reach that limit pretty quick. And my viewing pleasure after being throttled blows and renders my iPhone basically useless. I'm considering Sprint or T-Mobile. I live in the Bay Area in California, especially in the San Jose area. I usually jailbreak for tethering purposes. I'm curious how you decided on T-Mobile and what your two cents are regarding Sprint Wireless regards Mr. Ed. Well, thanks for the question, Mr. Ed. I chose T-Mobile for a few reasons, but the biggest ones being they let you do all the neat new stuff the iPhone supports, like Wi-Fi calling and voice over LTE. Plus, with T-Mobile, tethering is included, not an extra charge that kills your grandfathered unlimited plan. And they offer unlimited data, well, except for the tethering part, and there you are limited to 5 gigs per month of tethered data. The pricing... When I combined my wife's plan and my plan on T-Mobile was within a few dollars of my old plan on AT&T alone. So I gained features, saved a bunch of money uh, per month when you look at both of the plans combined compared to my new one plan. So that was really why it was a money and technology reasons why I switched. Per Sprint, it's a technology reason I stay away. The Sprint phones are not as flexible when it comes to using older phones on other carriers. I like that at any point my old GSM phones, uh, when they're way off contract iPhones, I could reactivate on one of the other cheaper carriers for my sons when they get to the age where they're going to need a cellular plan. Now granted, if I had a Sprint phone, I could always use it on Ting, so you've got that ability. But... For me, I, I just liked having the GSM phones and knowing that I can take them globally if I ever need to. T-Mobile also has very good coverage here in Kansas City, so that was important to me. Obviously, there's nothing better than Sprint coverage in Kansas City. I will say uh, on Long Island, where my parents live, T-Mobile coverage was horrible. I don't, even, I don't even think I should use T-Mobile coverage in Long Island in the same sentence because it just wasn't there for me. Just make sure you check to see what your local coverage is, where you live, before making a choice. iOS 8.2 Beta 4 is out for all iOS devices supporting iOS 8 for the devs. One thing to note, 
is the beta was speed tested on the iPhone 4S and, well, actually lost versus 8.1.2. Does not look like anyone running older iOS hardware and iOS 8 will see any improvements in speed. And the test actually shows some tasks running slower. So that wasn't good news. Hopefully when it goes to Goldmaster, it'll be up to at least the same speed as 8.1.2. When iOS 8.2 is released, if you have iOS hardware that is multiple years old, I would highly recommend you hold off updating, especially as the big feature for 8.2 is Apple Watch support. The iPhone 4S will not support it anyway, so there's really no reason to rush into going to 8.2 if you're on an iPhone 4S or any device that doesn't support Apple Watch. One thing the beta of 8.2 has revealed is that when the Apple Watch comes, there will be a standalone app to support it. There is a very detailed article on 9to5Mac, link in the show notes, titled Apple Watch iPhone Companion App Revealed with New Features, Monograms. Uh, This goes over a bunch of new features dug out about the Apple Watch, like Monogram, where you can add up to four initials as a monogram virtually on the screen. Hmm, wonder if I'll go with TII on mine. Could be. This article talks about how you will organize the apps on the Apple Watch, which really you will do on the iPhone. So just like you can now organize your apps for your iPhone via iTunes on your computer, you'll be able to organize the apps on your Apple Watch via the iPhone. They also go over features for clock functions, messages, maps, accessibility, passcode, activity, motion, and fitness, and more. Again, look for that link in the show notes, especially if you plan to get an Apple Watch, or more so if you're on the fence, because it does give you some insight into what to expect for Apple Watch. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Plus one to Harry's Razors. I've been using a Truman for a few months now, and it works great. The price is reasonable, and the blade is a great cut. Thanks for introducing them to me. Regards, Joe Strotman. Well, Joe, thanks for the feedback, and I want to thank Harry's for sponsoring this episode. And if you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use promo code T-I-I, you'll save $5 on your first order. Let's face it, guys. One of the worst parts about shaving is tracking down the person to unlock the display case so you can get your razors. The other worst part is paying the price that you pay for said razors when you go to the checkout counter. Harry's helps on both of those fronts. No need to go to the store. You just order online and get the razors delivered right to your door with free shipping. The starter kit, the Truman set, is amazing. For $15, you get a razor, foaming shave gel, and three razor blades. All in a great package that screams, gift me, gift me. Are you listening, ladies? Actually, my little lady was, and she purchased me a year's supply plus of razors and shave gel for my birthday. Kind of a win-win. I get a great present. She gets me using the shave gel, which she really likes the smell of. And that new foaming shave gel is great. If you look what it's made of, you might not know whether you should eat it or shave with it. The ingredients include licorice root extract, a blend of cucumber and aloe, After using it, my wife was asking me what smelled so good. It really is nice to shave with something that is not made from industrial chemicals. Look at my picture in the banner for Harry's over on TII website, and you will see me wearing my Warby Parker glasses on my Harry's shaven head. And it just so happens that Jeff, the co-founder of Harry's, also co-founded Warby Parker. That means you know you are getting the same great quality experience as you get with Warby Parker, 
And they have a good social mission where 1% of sales and at least 1% of their time is donated to organizations to help prep people for personal and professional success. With harrys.com, you get a shave that feels great from a company you can feel great about. Once again, go to harrys.com now, save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter promo code TII at the checkout to save $5 on your first purchase and start shaving better today, or at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives at your doorstep. Hi, Rob. This is uh, Tom in Yucaipa, California. On your last show, you had a visually impaired person call who's newly um, blinded or visually impaired and wanted some information on how to use voiceover with iPhone. There's a couple of email uh, listservs that is really beneficial. Uh, one is called VI Phone, that's V-I-P-H-O-N-E, at googlegroups.com. If you want to subscribe to that, it's V-I-P-H-O-N-E, plus symbol, that's the actual plus sign, subscribe at googlegroups.com. And that is full of a lot of visually impaired people who are asking and providing information about how to use voiceover. There is another one called Peel the Apple at googlegroups.com. That is also listserv with blind or visually impaired individuals who are using Macs and also iPhones. You can get information there as well to subscribe there. It is P-E-E-L-T-H-E-A-P-P-L-E plus symbol subscribe at googlegroups.com. And one more piece of information, if you go to the iPhone, go to VoiceOver, there is a tutorial in there that you could click on, and it will help guide you through how to use the gestures. You try it out on the screen, you make a gesture, and it tells you what that gesture does. Very good uh, source of information. All right? Nope. He can use the information, and thanks for the show. Tom, thanks so much for that feedback. Saying on the same subject here, Hi, Rob. To the caller who asked about voiceover training, I suggest subscribing to the Apple Viz podcast. That's Apple V-I-S, one word, podcast for tutorials and joining the Apple Viz forum. I wouldn't recommend using a Mac because the accessibility features are spotty and difficult to learn. Regards, Dan L. Hi, Rob. To the listener from DC who wanted to learn voiceover, I offer these resources. Apple's official accessibility resource list Apple.com slash accessibility slash resources contains links to the accessibility version of the user guides uh, and voiceover tutorials officially produced by Apple for the Mac, Apple Viz, as we just heard from the other call, uh, email, an online community for the visually impaired Apple users. That's www.applevis.com. AppleViz has reviews of hundreds of apps. It has tutorials for the beginning voiceover user. It has podcasts demonstrating how to use many iOS and Mac voiceover features. It has lively discussion forums as well. There's also VI Phone, a Google group for the blind and visually impaired iDevice users at Google, excuse me, at groups.google.com slash forum slash pound explanation mark forum slash vi phone and you can email me for those these links by the way folks and a similar less active yahoo group at groups.yahoo.com slash group slash ai phone 
and a Facebook group at facebook.com slash blind iPhone iPad users, one word. So facebook.com slash blind iPhone iPad users. National Braille Press offering books on iOS. Uh, you can have them in paper Braille, downloadable electronic Braille, ASCII to text, Microsoft Word, or DAISY formats. DAISY is an XML-based format for visually impaired readers. Many free DAISY players are available for all operating systems, and there's a link for that. Again, folks, anyone who wants any of these links, please email me at todayinios at gmail.com, and I'll send you all this information here from this section. Books from the uh, National uh, Braille Press include iOS 8 without the eye, Getting the Picture, How to Use the Camera as a Blind Person, Getting Started with the iPhone and iOS 7, A Guide to Blind and Visually Impaired Users. There's iOS 8 Reference Card, a full listing of all voiceover gestures. Out and About, our favorite travel apps. Reading Kindle Books on your iOS device, a quick reference guide. Tweeting Blind, 22 useful apps for blind and visually impaired users. They also have books on mastering the Mac with voiceover and on using iMessage. Regards, Debbie A., Cupertino, California. Well, Debbie and everyone else, thank you for your feedback. Greatly appreciate it. And again, if you'd like all of this summarized in email, just email me today at iOS at gmail.com. Mention episode 334 and you would like the information uh, that I've mentioned here at the beginning or near the middle of the show. Uh, about helping out those with voiceover. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm writing in response to the man who wanted to learn about his accessibility features, such as voiceover. In my experience, the Apple Store employees know next to nothing about voiceover. He would do far better to join the Apple Viz, uh, an Apple-only community dedicated to blind and low-vision users. There are a number of books about learning to use iOS products in the electronic and Braille formats published by the National Braille Press, Hook up with any local national chapter of Organizations of the Blind and begin to learn. There are many excellent blind iOS trainers available. Just ask AppleViz.com. Regards, Jan Brown. Again, thanks all for the feedback there. We are now over 1,800 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out and has had lots of comments was from Jerome Horowitz, who asked, my caller ID block does not work on my iPhone 6. Anybody have a fix? Unquote. And for those not familiar with this feature, in settings, in the settings app, go to phone, show my caller ID. By default, it is set on. If you turn it off, it's supposed to block your caller ID. Mike Hennessy mentioned that turning it off and calling his house is still showing his name and number, but calling his wife's iPhone, it did not. But for Kristen Twig, it worked fine. Looks like this might be an AT&T issue. Let me know if this is working right for you. 206-666-6364 or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let me know what carrier you're using when you turn off caller ID or block turn on or it's set by default on so that means it's not blocking your caller id so turn it off and see what happens and since the last episode there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the ti google plus community which is an android boys free zone and spammer free zone yep it is the most civil google plus community covering ios 
folks go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 1,800 plus of you already in the community and contributing. And thanks to those that went to the uh, link and subscribed to my new podcast, KC Startup 411. Appreciate that. Helped drive me up to in the 35th, I think it was, in the my main category that I'm in, in the top 100 in business overall. And for those of you not familiar or didn't hear about me mentioning before, it's a podcast I'm doing 100% on an iPhone. So I'm doing all the production work. Everything is done on the iPhone. Upload it right from the iPhone. Get it live from the iPhone. I record at 1 Million Cups Kansas City right before each 1 Million Cups now. Do an interview, short interview. Get it all up there. So it's really neat to do this now all on an iPhone. It's really fun to do it. And if you want to learn how I'm doing it, go and listen to the episode because each episode I mention what tools and software and apps I used for that episode. So again, search for Casey Startup 411 in iTunes. That's Casey space Startup space 411. Or I think you can do it all Casey Startup 411 as one word and you can find it either way. Or you can just go to CaseyStartup411.com. Some questions we have about how Apple's sales really went last quarter will be answered on Tuesday, January 27th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when Apple does their quarterly conference call. Here are my predictions. iPhone sales are up year over year. iPad sales are down year over year. Pro Apple people, i.e. me, will concentrate our focus on the iPhone sales. Anti-Apple press, i.e. much of the tech press, will focus on the iPad sales. Some will try to do both. Either way, I will get a blog post up at todayinios.com and in the TI app, either right before or after the conference call starts. I'm sure we'll have more predictions on this leading up to the conference call right after going over who was right and who was wrong. As is typical, don't expect any new news per products to be announced or even hinted at during the call. But it is going to be very interesting to see how many iPhones were sold. And depending on how this week and this coming weekend goes, my next episode very well may be on the 27th, the evening after the next Apple call. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which is more rumors about the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, or whatever the next-gen iPhones are called. You will see a lot of articles the next couple of months with rumors about the next-gen iPhones. But past history shows anything before April Pretty much pure fiction. April, May is traditionally when the first real rumors come out of Asia. That's where someone snuck something out of one of the factories or took a picture or someone got paid to get that information out. For now, however, the rumors are really just people speculating and calling it rumors and you know using that infamous unnamed source in their articles. That said, kudos for app advice or their article, which took the stance of likely features and speculation, and that they speculate what kind of makes sense. An A9 processor, which is clearly a no-brainer. A bump up in RAM, given the latest iPad Air has 2 gigs of RAM, again, seems like a no-brainer. Other speculation, faster RAM to boot. That does come from a rumor in Taiwan, so yeah, take that one for what it's worth. Hint, not much. Then there is speculation of the Force Touch for the next iPhone. Some call that a rumor. Others just looked at the announcement or the announced features for the Apple Watch and said, yeah, that's missing from the iPhone now, so add it to the rumor list. Except that the Apple Watch is an OLED display, 
with special sensors to support force touch. So not sure if we will see force touch on iPhone 6S, maybe the version after that. That would be a really, really major change if implemented because it completely changed around the display technology. Thanks also goes to Jordan for a heads up on this next one, which is from Cult of Mac, and the post is titled, Could Apple Have Already Lined Up the Sapphire Supplier for the iPhone 6S? Question mark. And for the answer, I would say, in my dreams, and that's about the only way it could happen because even my dreams aren't that imagination-filled. This post is really based on the news that a company called Desay, D-E-S-A-Y, just announced their own smartphone with an unbreakable Sapphire display. Also, Desay is an Apple supplier. Cult of Mask asks, if Desay can make Sapphire displays for their own smartphones, why not for Apple? Hmm, let's see. Oh yeah, volume? Remember, before GTAT imploded, it was supposed to have Sapphire production capacity equal to two times the current combined global production of Sapphire. Yes, part of GTAT, GTAT's agreement, was that they would get to sell the furnaces to pay for their loans or pay back their loans to Apple. But even if they did sell them to DSEI, the issue comes that the furnaces did not produce the quality Sapphire needed and they would need to be modified at best to get there. There has been no indication that there is a short-term solution for Sapphire to meet the needs of tens of millions of iPhones. So again, the answer as to why not Apple question is volume and lack of global production infrastructure for quality Sapphire. Sadly, this is something that will be a long time coming, if ever, given what happened to GTAT. And one more item in the rumor area. It seems iOS 9 is starting to show up on some server logs, meaning Apple starting some internal testing of the alpha version. This is kind of right in line with the past years, and it's showing up in this that you know showing up in some server logs. So nice to see it there now. But per the previous episode, really do not hope that iOS 9 is about new features. Uh, it's really more and more about bug fixes and speed improvements. I mean, I hope Apple's whole focus when they get up there on the developer stage at WWDC and they talk about iOS 9 in June is that they talk about how it's streamlined, it's faster, it's less buggy, that they've really gone and it's all about quality and speed. You know, That, to me, is what I want to hear from iOS 9. I don't want to hear about a whole bunch of features. I want to hear about speed improvement and bug fixes. Thanks to Michael for the heads up on this link. And it is really a story I tried not to report on last episode. You may have noticed the last episode I did not say anything about CES. I did my best not to talk about CES because I figured you might have been sick of CES. And of all the reports of new products that I heard out of CES, this is one I was most interested in. It is that there are finally lightning-powered headphones. The big shocker, or most, is whom they're from. Not Beats, now owned by Apple, but rather from Philips and also Harman JBL. Well, I'll, I'll get into the, the news about that in a little bit. But the uh, Philips Fidelio, I don't even know how they pronounce that, F E. F-I-D-E-L-I-O, Fidelo, NC1L, is the first lightning-powered on-ear noise-canceling headphones, followed by the JBL Reflect Aware Sports headphones, 
with noise cancellation. The NC1L from Philips will be out in late February, early March timeframe. The Aware will be out in the spring. The NC1L will run you 300 clams. The Aware comes in at half that price. Technically, I guess this is older news as Philips announced the headphones back in September, but they had them at CES and multiple people played with them. And from what I read, the response was tepid at best. Essentially, they were just as good as some other headphones that are already out there from Philips. And, you know, it's not that there was any great, huge improvement with these headphones. Um, essentially, they're as good as other ones that were not lightning. Guess, I guess it's better than saying, hey, they're worse than the other ones that are not lightning. Um, you're going to have to have a really, really keen ear to hear the difference is what I basically gathered from the articles I read. Either way, it's kind of interesting to have noise-canceling headphones that are powered from your lightning port so you don't have to stick batteries in or recharge them. So that's going to be a convenience factor. Maybe they'll get these things tweaked and ultimately for the real audiophiles out there, they maybe must have things. For now, I still have my old Bose noise-canceling headphones and Bose 2 headphones. They work great for me and I love those when I want to listen to music, that is. when I Otherwise, you know, what I listen to podcasts with are the earbuds that come from Apple. So this is really for the music folks. Thanks to Matt for the heads up on this next one. We all love lollipops, right? Well, evidently not if you use Android as the latest version of Android named Lollipop, which launched in early November. Well, by the first week of January, it was being used on somewhere south of 0.1% of all Android devices. Yikes. In that same amount of time from when iOS 8 was initially launched, it made its way onto almost 50% of all iOS devices. 0.1% versus 50%. Again, another reason choosy devs choose iOS. I know I've said the best time to kick someone is when they're down before. I've said it a few times on the show. But this time, it's the guy on the ground kicking himself, which is pretty hard to do and funny to see. Almost as funny as when BlackBerry this week sent out a tweet about their new phone. But in classic BlackBerry fail mode, you know, they did it from an iPhone. Oh! I would imagine this whole thing looks something like what the guys in the parking lot really saw the first time there was a fight in Fight Club. Thanks, BlackBerry, for the laugh and for the memories. Hey, Rob, it's Derek. I got a question. Uh, how can I get a hold of the head people at Apple? This mapping thing, I always say if I put a destination on the map and I'll set it and it will go. But then there's like another uh, way to get there, it will be even faster. But it doesn't recalculate. I'd like to address that with somebody with Apple. So if there's like a, maybe there's an, a better app than the Apple's map, but uh, I'd like to get the, the address or the email from higher up. Maybe Tim Cook uh, email. As, uh, I was wondering if you knew that those emails. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Derek, his email address, which I do happen to know, Tim Cook's, is tcook, T C O O K, at apple.com. Good luck with that. Well, Rob, to answer a question from one of your listeners on the most recent episode about adding apps to the notification center, I use an app called Launcher that allows you to put apps in the notification center using iOS 8 extensions. I'm not sure if this feature is still being offered if you download the app today, 
but it works perfectly for me. I am using an unjailbroken iPad Air 2. I believe there is already one or more apps that offer this feature uh, as well. I would browse the extension section in the App Store. Once again, love the show and keep up the good work. Regards, Kareem. Rob, happy new year. In response to a gentleman in episode 333 who switched over from Android tablet to iPad 2, looking for quick access to certain apps, or at least that's what I understood him to be looking for, I would recommend the launch app, which he can put in the dock at the bottom of the screen. He can add quite a few apps into it, and it has the swipe gesture that allows you to open apps quickly or perform particular actions inside the specified apps. Also, you can group together uh, apps together. Example, I have morning coffee option where I have instant access to all the apps I usually need in the morning. TomTom Tom Navigation, BBC News, Stitcher, Weather Live, New York Times, AnyList, Evernote, AP News, etc. Of course, this isn't exactly the same as what he had on Android, but it's pretty cool and worth a try. Hope that helps somewhat. Regards, Tosin O from Hockley Heath. UK. Thank you, Tosin. Hi, Rob. I heard someone asking what case to get for the iPad Air 2. I ordered the Clam Case Pro the 1st of December. Just received it last week, and so far I love it. If you sign up for their emails, I received a $20 coupon off the price, which came in to $149 at the end. I had the Zag Folio with the keyboard for my iPad 3rd gen, and it worked great. The reviews on the new Folio were not the greatest. The nice thing about the Clamp Case Pro is you can fold it back onto the keyboard so you can use it without the keyboard. Some people complain the keyboard is not backlit, but that doesn't bother me. Keep up the great work. Regards, Roy S. Well, Roy, thank you for the heads up there on the Clamp Case Pro for the iPad Air 2. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I just supported this Kickstarter project. Merry Christmas, Steve from Arizona. This Nick's Kickstarter project that we're going to talk about here, um, I want to mention not just because Steve and a few others have supported it, but, you know, that helps. And not just because of what it is, but rather for how they presented themselves on Kickstarter. This is one of those projects, if you are ever planning on doing a Kickstarter project, you should look at closely pretty much at everything they did because it was done really well. Kudos, gentlemen. Which is part of the reason why they're at roughly six times their goal. What is said product? It is the next keyboard, the perfect keyboard for iPhone. This one you have until January 24th at 9.43 p.m. Central Time to fund. For $5, you get the keyboard. They also have other levels that you can fund and... And that's one of the things that I I like about the project, that is if you scroll down, you actually see an infographic showing what you get for the different levels. The video is funny as well. Again, if you ever plan to do a Kickstarter project, check this one out, take notes, take screenshots, and you can learn a bunch from this one. And and oh yeah, if you want, um, quote, the perfect keyboard for the iPhone, unquote, Search for Next Keyboard, two words, at kickstarter.com or for the link in episode 334's show notes. We have another Kickstarter project to go over. This one is from the same folks that brought us the iStick and the Pearl Compact Mirror, which I just received notification that it shipped and it's on its way to me, the Pearl Compact Mirror, that is. 
Well, their new Kickstarter project is the iPen Laser Pointer. Quote, iPen, world's smallest laser pointer and wireless presenter for iPhone and Android. Turn your smartphone into a powerful presentation tool, unquote. Essentially, for the iPhone, it is a tiny laser pointer that fits inside your headphone jack. You have until February 10th at 1.59 a.m. Central Time to fund this one, which right now needs your funding at last check. It was about 15K, and they had a goal of 50K. Remember, someday in the future, when you're all using those lightning headphones, you're going to say, hey, what do I do with this headphone jack? Well, you can put this iPin laser pointer into it. Um, if you do go and fund this one, make sure to pick the version for the iPhone, not for the Android version. Their offerings are confusing, probably one reason they've not hit their goal yet. There are offerings for those at one price if you funded one of their previous projects, and then pricing if you did not. And then there is some bundle pricing for their BT to go accessory. Again, it gets really confusing. Oh, and did I mention that there's one version for the iPhone 6 Plus, but only for the iPhone 6 Plus, and only if it's not the EU version of the iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah, like I said, confusing. Go and search iPen at Kickstarter or look for the link in the show notes. Hopefully they get this one funded, but right now it's not looking too good. I am a card-carrying member of the EFF, literally, and I have to take exception with their recent issue with Apple. EFF, really? You're going after Apple because of the developer agreement. Yet, I guess for end users, where end users are actually protected for privacy so much better by Apple and iOS than the sheer cheap Google calls end users whose privacy is non-existent and data is sold to the highest and, well, sometimes not even highest bidders. EFF, really? You're going after Apple here. Why? Well, I guess someone at the EFF has their cranium stuck in their nether regions. Just saying. Essentially, the EFF just released an official app for the EFF, but only for Android and not for iOS, and then went all postal on Apple for their developer agreement. Many of the items they took issue with for the devs Apple has in place to protect the end users, like their complaint about Apple being able to kill any app at any time. They said in their article, quote, and this is the EFF said this, quote, Section 8 makes it clear that Apple can revoke the digital certificate of any of your applications at any time. Steve Jobs once confirmed that Apple can remotely disable apps even after they have been installed by users. This contract provision would appear to allow that, unquote. No, duh. This is all about protecting the end users in case a malicious app slips past the approval process. Section 8 is one of the best security features Apple offers, and for the EFF to take exception to that and plain not get it. Like I said, someone at the EFF has their cranium stuck in their nether regions. Sorry, EFF. Really disappointed me, did you, with this one. Thanks to Steve from Arizona and others that sent in this next one, which may explain what is going on at the EFF. Seems someone must have taken away the folks at the EFF's iPhones, as that would explain their stupidity. See, a study from the University of Missouri found that when your iPhone is taken away, well, we get dumb and jittery, like taking a caffeine-laced stupid pill. Okay, what they actually said was, quote, 
that separating people from their iPhone not only causes anxiety, but also reduces cognitive performance, unquote. Well, yeah, as I said, it's like taking a caffeine-laced stupid pill. What the University of Missouri actually recommended based on their study was, quote, these findings suggest that iPhone users should avoid parting with their phones during daily situations that involve a great deal of attention, such as taking tests, sitting in conferences or meetings, or completing important work assignments as it could result in poor cognitive performance on those tasks, unquote. So there, now you have a survey from a major university that says not only is it okay for you to have your iPhone with you, it is recommended that you have it. So just point your significant other to this report the next time they tell you to get rid of your iPhone or put it away. Of course, I have no way of confirming that this study is even accurate as my iPhone is with me all the time unless I'm showering. And even then, it's right outside the shower door. Hi, this is Jonathan. I have a mail drop question. First, I tried to send a PDF from the iBooks app. It wouldn't work, I assume because the file size was too large, as it does work with smaller files. Then I used another app to get the PDF into my mail app, and then I get an error message. A copy has been placed in your outbox. Your message has size 45.3 meg, which exceeds 35, the maximum allowed by the server. I made sure to have the mail switched on for iCloud in the settings, but it's not working. If anyone knows how to fix this, please let me know. Thank you. Jonathan, thanks for calling in. And if anyone can help Jonathan here, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. In response to the discussion about setting up Exchange on iDevices, be aware of the following gotchas. I have a long username on the college campus where I work. I got tired of entering it, so I created a shortcut under Settings, General Keyboard Shortcuts. That saved me time for all the places where I needed to enter it repeatedly. When I set up my email, calendar, and contacts to sync with our Exchange server, I kept getting errors that my password was invalid. I had our IT folks look at my setup screen, and they insisted everything was fine. And they concluded that I must be entering the password incorrectly. I even changed my password, but still no luck. It turned out I'd taken advantage of of my shortcut to enter my username and shortcuts always terminate an entry with a space. Other services on our campus internet did not mind the terminating space, but Exchange did. Also, as soon as I deleted the space, without even messing again with the password, my contact calendar and work email all synced beautifully. By the way, I discovered the space because I'm a voiceover user. I asked VoiceOver to spell everything on the offending screen, and the invisible space was revealed. Regards, Debbie A. Cupertino Cal. Well, Debbie, thank you for that tip, and hopefully that helps someone out there who's having a similar issue or in the future has a similar issue. Hey, Rob. My name is Shauna from Indianapolis, and I am a very long-time listener, but first-time caller. I have a jailbroken iPhone 6, and I was wondering if there are any tweaks you know of to alphabetize all of your apps. I have about a hundred. So even using folders to separate things into categories, it's just it's kind of hard to find something specific when you're in a hurry. Um, I can use Spotlight, but still, you know, you're having to type out the app, and I just want to kind of be able to go to the general place where it should be in the alphabet. 
So um, if anybody can help me with that, that is greatly appreciated. Thanks, Scott. Have a wonderful day. Shona, thanks for calling in. If anyone out there knows of a good jailbreak tweak that will allow this, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-BOONTOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. I know I complained about Yosemite on the last episode, so this episode I want to point out something neat that I can do with Yosemite and my iPhone that I could not do with the early versions of iOS 10, and that is display and record my iPhone screen quickly and easily. Here are the basic steps. Credit to iMore for these steps. One, connect the iOS device to your Mac using the lightning cable. Again, you have to be running Yosemite on the Mac and iOS 8 on your on your iOS device. Open the Applications folder. Double-click on QuickTime Player. Click on File menu. Again, this is all on the Mac side. Select New Movie Recording. Click on the downward-facing arrow to the right of the Record button. Under Camera, select the name of your iOS device. If you wish to record audio from the device, select its name in the Audio Source list then click on the red, red record button to begin recording video from your iPhone. When you're done, click on the button again to stop recording. I did this a few times already. It works great. It's a nice way to do a nice screen tutorial, video tutorial of your app working on iOS device. I probably should do that for the TII app. Again, make sure to select the iPhone for both audio and the video sources if you want to record the audio from your device. So if you want to actually show it playing and have it audio play, do that. Or you can set it up to play, uh, the, record the audio from your mic and the video from your iPhone, and then you can do the voiceover right as you're showing how it works. Thanks to Jim M. and a few others that sent in this next one, which is that Apple is supposedly cracking down on users who abuse a new 14-day return policy. From iDownload blog, quote, one reader explains that when Apple introduced the new 14-day return policy, he started treating the policy as a trial period of some sort. After spending about $40 on various apps to trial, he was able to get $25 refunded, but Apple took notice of his behavior and a message popped, started popping up in the App Store that now warns him that he will no longer be eligible for refunds on new purchases, unquote. Seems that some users are now seeing a message that says, quote, I acknowledge that if I download this app within 14 days of tapping buy, I will no longer be eligible to cancel this purchase, unquote. Not sure if most or everyone is seeing that message now in the EU, or it's just something that Apple put in place for those that trigger some algorithm as an abuser of that 14-day return policy. From the crime blotter comes this next interesting story. Seems some criminals or Chinese goodfellas decided it would be a good idea to steal a few iPhones to the tune of 240 brand new iPhones still in the box, still at the warehouse. From the Zainu news agency, quote, police said the three men broke into the facility between December 12th and 13th via a 50 centimeter hole dug out of the wall. One subject used to work as a driver for the logistics company that owned the warehouse and was familiar with the site. They later sold the gadgets and spent most of the money on cars, gold, and gambling, unquote. They were caught because, you guessed it, the police had the serial numbers. Oh! Just because you know how to dig a tunnel does not mean you know anything about iPhones. If they were smart, they would have stole something like gold that is not easily traceable. 
But good thing they like to dig, because I'm sure they will be doing lots of that the next 15 to 20 years. Hey, Rob, this is your favorite caller, Jody. I got a rant for you. Okay, you got to help me out here. What's the deal with the iPhone shooting camera? And why is everybody so upset about it? When I'm looking at the freaking Samsung Galaxy Alpha, and it has a protruding camera. And this puppy sticks out, what, 10 feet? It's huge, all right? So I don't understand why is that when Alpha, when Alpha comes out with a new phone, everybody is dogging it. What's going on here? Hey, help me out here. I mean, Samsung, hey, that's a nice phone, but they've got the same issues. They bend also. It's like now the latest, the latest thing is called the hair gate. When a guy said, oh, because of the, the, um, the gap between the glass and the body, it's now pulling my hair out. Not really. So anyway, love the show, Rob. Just maybe you can help me out and explain to me why the media is really down on Apple. And it may not be the media, but it seems like it. And one more question. Why is it that when I go into an AT&T store, I'm surrounded by nothing but Samsung phones everywhere, and right in the corner, there is the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, one display. I'm missing something. Hey, love your show. Jody, the easiest and best way to explain why the tech press is quick to dog Apple for things that oftentimes are less onerous with Apple than they are with other devices is link bait. Anytime they write an article that's anti-Apple, they get lots and lots of clicks and visits to their website. So they have found and discovered that if you dog Apple, you will get traffic to your website. You get people coming in to defend Apple and you'll get other people going, ha ha ha. So that is it in a nutshell. The tech press lives and dies these days by links, traffics to links, and they know any stories that are negative about Apple are link bait. And if they are one to crack a story first about something negative about Apple, they're going to get lots and lots of traffic to that site. Per Apple and their layout inside an AT&T store, that's something I have no idea. But my guess would be there's less Apple devices to show than there are Android devices, so you need less space to show them. Into the email bag. Hello, Rob. I wanted to get your opinion on updates to your iPhone. I know Apple does a fantastic job at detailing what is within the over-the-air updates. However, I recently had a carrier update from AT&T and was given two options, not now or update. I wish they would provide information about the updates to the consumer before I jump in, into a blind update. Am I missing a place where it is listed on my iPhone? Or is there a website I would be able to look it up at? Regards, Jonah. Hi, Jonah. You could contact AT&T. Actually call them and say, hey, I got this carrier update. What's it about? Maybe they'll give you some information. Um, or you can go to the AT&T website and see if they have something there. In general, with AT&T in the past, I pretty much always did the carrier updates. I don't ever remember any of them having any issues once I did them. But yeah, it would be nice if you got information other than, hey, here's a carrier update, hey, here's a carrier update, and why. You know, It's always nice for them to explain why they're doing that carrier update. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Do you or the listeners know of any apps that use HomeKit permissions? I have none. Regards, Michael. Michael? 
I don't know of any that I have that are using HomeKit, but if anyone out there is using one or has one that has HomeKit, and I, I'm not even sure if it's live yet, but if anyone knows of any apps, let me know, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode, and please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code T-I-I at checkout to save $5 off and start shaving better today or, well, at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives right to your doorstep. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, there is a new and updated TI app, and that is free to you, has been for a while. Just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It's the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Please go right now and download the TII app. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to bone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.